Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to get right into it this morning. How many of you recognize this sound, this signal that Jared is going to push go on? And maybe get some volume on. I'll do it myself. You got it? Okay, what if I do this? Everybody do it. One, two, three. Mm. What is it? International Signal for SOS. It's much more impressive if you hear it on Morris Code up on the, on the board. We'll work on that later. So SOS. Some people think, we got a slide on it at least though, right Jared? Some people think that SOS is an abbreviation for something like save our souls, save our ship. But in fact, in point of fact, it's actually um, just a signal. Um, so that it's clear, it's understandable, it couldn't be mistaken for anything else. And if you rearrange the dots differently, you can actually spell different things. So um, the countries got back together, got together in 1908 to talk about an international signal of distress. And SOS, this dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, 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 one, because it was very simple, um, it was easy to understand, it's easy to listen to, and not any confusion to be confused for something else. Before that, especially in Britain, they used the, the, the letters CQD. Um, if you're a Titanic buff, you know that that's the signal that the Titanic had sent out until one of the other radio operators came to them and said, you know, you might want to try that new um, SOS signal, and they did, and they got some responses to it. Um, little trivia, the U.S. Navy used the letters NC, but again, that started to be a little confusing. So SOS won out. Now, later on, uh, after Morse code um, kind of went by the wayside a little bit, it was taken over by uh, radios and by voices. And we decided that SOS wasn't a good thing for um, a verbal um, sign of distress or signal of distress. So um, we got together, and we actually they put it on one um, dude. And for, to illustrate that a little bit, I want to play a little bit of a round of, of, of who dis. And it's not Samuel Morris. I'll give you that right now. He's, he's a lot older than that. This is Frederick Stanley Mockford. Boy, that's a trivia question for you. So he came up. Um, he was a, a senior radio operator at London's Croydon Airport, given the task to come up with a verbal signal of distress, a universal signal of distress, uh, to, for people to, to uh, cry out in a difficult situation. Um, and he came up with the, of the idea of using the words mayday. And he said, um, additionally, we should repeat it three times. Mayday, mayday, mayday. And you've heard that in movies all over the place all the time. Well, it's done like that to, again, to eliminate any kind of confusion uh, about what, that a person is in a desperate need of help. So, uh, all right, so now after you say mayday, 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 you give the type of aircraft, some pertinent information that, um, that you rescuers might need. Um, type of aircraft, the nature of your emergency, um, your location or your last known location in cases like um, Amelia Earhart gave her last known location, and we still haven't figured that out. Current weather, fuel remaining, types like that. Some, how many people are in jeopardy? Now, Mockford, this guy came up with the idea in 1923, um, and then the United States was pretty quick to adapt it. I think in 27 we adapted it, and then the rest of the world came along on it. So now the interesting thing about this is, Though that they asked him, you know, how did you come up with this? Because it's, it's brilliant and it, it, it caught on immediately. People attached to it. He said that he based it on this French word that I'm not going to try to pronounce. Anybody speak French? What is it, Julie? Yeah, it means what? Mayday. It, it sounds like mayday, and it's a French word then for? Help me. 
Help me, right? So it actually all clicks together. It all makes a lot of sense. So it's the it's the it's the word for help me. So mayday, mayday is the is our cry out for help. Now the interesting thing is that is that God does the same thing for us. And we talked about this with our youth group um, last weekend. We talked about how God in the Bible. It, the Bible is full of a couple of different things. First of all, it's full of God's commands. And sometimes we think, well, God's commands are a bunch of rules, and people don't like to follow rules. Well, that's really not the kind of commands that God gives us. So it's a book of commands, and it's a book of promises. And I want to show you some of those commands and some of those promises uh, as it uh, uh, applies to him helping us and him coming to our aid. Um, I want to start with Jeremiah 33.3, where it says this, Call to me, and I will answer you. I have a hard time not singing this verse. Call to me, and I will answer you. And tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. That word, unsearchable, um, it's a rather complex word. And it means, certainly it means mystery. uh, But it's a mystery that protects you and that will guard you and that will rescue you. So God commands, call to me, right? We would say that's the command part of it. But then he gives you all these promises. I will answer you. I will tell you these great and unsearchable things. And then those unsearchable things include things that protect you, things that guard you, things that will rescue you. So that leads to other verses to bring that uh, reality um, to our vision. Uh, Like Psalm 18, uh, verse 6, it says, But in my distress... I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. It says, in my distress, that Hebrew word for distress, that's quite a versatile word, actually. Um, it can mean a tight spot. You know, when I used to wrestle with my kids in there a little, I'd get them down and we'd be on the floor tickling and stuff, and then I would tell them, oh, you're in a tight spot. What are you, you going to do? You're in a tight spot. And then that's what they'd always say to me. Oh, Dad, I'm in a tight spot, and I don't know what to do. But that's what that, disa- that distress means, a tight spot. Or it can mean literally an enemy, right? It can mean an oppressor or an adversary, or simply be translated as the word trouble. But you heard Pam read a second ago that we have an enemy, we have an adversary that prowls around like a, a roaring lion ready to devour somebody. So again, it can just simply be uh, the word trouble. And I could have, I mean, there's like 30 verses that would line up with this stuff. Uh, take a look at Psalm 50, verse 15. Again, this is God giving us a command. You know, we think of God's command like the Ten Commandments, a bunch of rules and a bunch of, you know, like iron-fisted stuff. But no, he's calling to us. He's, he's, he's telling us to do these things for our own good. He says, call upon me in the day of trouble. Then he promises, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. That word, that word deliver is where we see God's promises um, back in Jeremiah, where he says, call to me and I will tell you, I will show you all these great and unsearchable things. I'm going to explain them to you. I'm going to lay them out for you. That word deliver actually has more to do with, with being equipped, um, being armored, or, or to be made strong, to be braced up. You know, I talked about that with our youth group also, that God doesn't remove us from that trouble, that situation, but he says, you know what, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to show you how to get through it. I'm going to have you rely on me, and then we're going to get through this together. It also is directly related to our word saved, or our word salvation, that delivered. And in the Old Testament, we often see deliver or delivered. Uh, When we get to the New Testament, sometimes that's replaced, accurately replaced, by the word rescued, as in Luke uh, 174. Man, there's a lot of verses in Luke. One, huh? We're Luke 174. We have been rescued from our enemies, so we can serve God without fear. Uh, rescued is the, is the Greek word uh, krumai, um, and it literally means this, uh, not only to rescue or, or deliver, but to, to bring to oneself, bring something to oneself. 
So God says, not only am I going to rescue you, I'm, I equip you and train you, I'm going to bring you to myself so that you're going to be here with me. Again, it doesn't mean that he's going to take you out of that trouble situation, take you out of that tight spot. No, he says, I'm going to be there with you and I'm going to be uh, there for you. Again, rescued, delivered, has everything to do with our word that we say salvation. It has to do with being saved. It has to do with, being, with, with salvation. So that's the Greek word rescued there, uh, krumai. I finally got it right, krumai. Um, but the Hebrew word for salvation is even um, more interesting to look at. Um, and I like to, when we look at words, we study words and, um, and, and dig into them a little deeper. I like to look at what we call the rule of first occurrence. So where does it occur first in the Bible, and we want to talk mostly about salvation this morning because uh, what I haven't talked about in the last couple of weeks is that uh, we're in the Easter season, right? Easter is a season of 50 days. Um, it doesn't start and end on Easter Sunday. No, it starts on Easter Sunday, but then it goes again to 50 days until, uh, until uh, the day of Pentecost. So that's what we're looking at. We're looking at this day, this, this season of Easter. And if you read my newsletter article, um, I compared it to some of the other seasons in the church year, Lent. 40 days long, right? So Easter is longer than Lent. Uh, we have some days, uh, the weeks of Advent leading up to Christmas. But what we're really leading up to here is we're celebrating Easter. We're celebrating Easter up to the day of Pentecost. So I want to talk about salvation. I want to talk about God's promises. I want to talk about how he commands us and what he does for us. And the way he uses the words in his word to explain to us exactly who he is and what he does for us. So now we're talking about salvation. That's kind of the, the theme today because that salvation um, is what happens when we cry out to him. When we cry out to him for help in our distress and our tight spots, God says, I am giving you that salvation. This is where I'm going to go for you. First occurrence is in Genesis 49, verse 18. It says, I have waited for your salvation, O Lord. So again, um, try, I try to convey to you um, the Hebrew language, it's difficult. I mean, Julie would have a hard time telling us all about French in four or five minutes, right? But I'm, I'm impressed that you, that you uh, know French. I, I, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's an answer to a trivia question. Who in the church knows French? I don't know Julie. I think I've mentioned before, though, that Hebrew is what we call a picture language, right? Um, in, in English, words sort of work like that, too. Sometimes we can get pictures in our head of, of words. But Hebrew is based on that fact. It's almost like a shorthand language. Well, not only the words are pictures, but the letters in Hebrew are, are pictures. Um, in fact, if you trace them back, and even a novice like me, I can go back at least four, maybe seven different ways that the, the Hebrew letters have evolved into the ones that we see today. The original Hebrew letters were actually pictures, actually pictures, and that's how they communicated until they decided we've got to get a better system of doing this so that other people could actually read this, and then that's how it evolved into the language we see today. So it's, it, it, we, after you study it for a while, it's, it's, it's readable, and at least we can get around on it. So, okay, so the letters themselves are, are pictures. So then the words, uh, stay with me for a second, the words are almost like a mini-sentence in themselves, because each letter has this representation of, of an idea or a picture or a, or a theme. Then when we put those letters together in a, in a word, it's almost as if the word is telling us a story in and of itself because of the letters that make it up. Okay, so where are we going with this? All right, so the amazing word that we're going to look at this morning is the Hebrew word for salvation. 
The Hebrew word for salvation has five letters in it, and each one of them is going to kind of blow your mind about how God um, lays this stuff out for us, how he paints this picture for us uh, to step back and look. You know, the, the old Hebrew rabbis said that, that scripture, that words, that Hebrew, it was like having a, an, an amazing gem in your hand. And every time you turned the gem, different light would shine on it. And you, you, would, you would perceive it in a different way. And you, you'd understand it even more. And you'd understand not only it more, but you'd understand the depth, that it has even more depth than you realized at first. And every time you turn it again, you see even more depth and we go even deeper. So, all right. The Hebrew letters, we call them pictograms. And they make up this word. So let's look at the word salvation. The first letter, um, and, they, and they go from right to left. So it's going to go from right to left. The first letter in the, in the Hebrew word for salvation is this. This is the letter Yod. And the pictogram for Yod is literally um, a hand. Uh, but it, it can also be associated not only with hand, but the work, the effort that that hand does. Imagine that hand holding a hammer or some kind of uh, a plow or some kind of farming implement. So it, it means effort, by, something by my hand. That's the letter Yod. Now, the second letter in, in salvation is the, is the letter Shin. Didn't Jared do an amazing job here? He's the letter Shin. The letter Shin kind of looks like it a little bit. It's, it depicts teeth, like in a leopard or, 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 a, or a big cat, you know, a big animal. Uh, the, the teeth that are meant to destroy. So the letter Shin is, is literally the pictograph that we get here is teeth, the, to destroy something. More of the destroy than the teeth. Third letter is the letter Vav. Now the letter Vav is an interesting one because it can stand as its own word um, the same way, kind of like our letter A can kind of stand as its own word, but also be part uh, of longer. It, it depicts, the, the letter Vav, it depicts nails or pegs. Um, it can also um, act as a conjunction, like our letter, and, or our, our word and. Um, because if you think about a nail, if you think about, you have two boards together, that nail joins those two boards together. So it's a, it's a connecting thing, kind of like the conjunction. Uh, and I got the song going in my head, conjunction, junction. You've, you, you join it together. So we have yod, we have shin, we have vav. So we have hand, we have uh, destroy, we have nails. Go, you see where this is going already probably. So then uh, the, the fourth letter is the letter ion. Um, ion is easy for me to remember because the pictograph for this is I. And actually, to me, it sounds like that, ion. Um, it means to see. An I means to see something. Um, and then the final letter is the letter hey. It looks much like the letter het that we talked about um, a while back, but it's the letter hey. Um, and they kind of work, ion and hey kind of work together here because ion means to see. Um, the letter hey means to behold something, you know, to, to really check it out, to really perceive something. So you have work or effort in, in yod. We have uh, destruction in shin. We have nails in vav. We have uh, C perceived there in ayin and hey. So now let's get a, a working definition of how God looks at salvation. Let's get a working definition of how God looks at salvation. I'm just going to use these letters and I'm going to put these letters into a sentence that God has already done for. I'm going to add a couple words to it. I'm going to say salvation is, and now look at this now, salvation is Earned by my own effort. Okay, I want to stop right here, and I want everybody's eyes on me, because I'm, we look at that word, my. Notice how it has a capital M. That's God talking. That is not your effort. So we're not saying this sentence, salvation is earned by my own effort. No, this is God telling this to you. This is one of God's promises to you. God says salvation is 
earned by my own effort, right? That yod, right? That effort, that hand is what the letter we see there. Salvation is earned by God's, my own effort. Then it goes on, though, with destruction, right? Shin, with destruction. What is vav? With the nails, right? Ayan and hay literally says, come see for yourself. That was one of... Uh, one of Jesus' favorite lines, come see for yourself. This is how God defines salvation for us. It's spelled out how he obtains salvation and is presenting it to you. That's, it, it's done with that work, that effort. It's done with, uh, the, through destruction by nails. And God says, come and see, behold for yourself. Jesus time and time again said things like, um, he who has ears, let him hear. You know, Jesus said, I use parables because some see, but they, they can't perceive. Let's dig a little bit deeper and perceive this. This, this incredible book that God gives us. I mean, um, sometimes we think it's some sort of complicated puzzle, but it really isn't. God says, come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. Like uh, when some of the disciples, remember where they were talking to Nathaniel? Um, Nathaniel was laying there. They came and said, hey, we found the Messiah. He's from Nazareth. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And what did they say? They said, come and see. Because that's the exact words that Jesus had told those disciples 10 minutes ago before they went to find they said, Jesus, They said, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Jesus said, come and see. Right? Come and perceive. I and hey, come and perceive. That's what we should be saying to our friends. That's what we should be saying to our family. Those family members that are, that are living in that constant state of, of sending out that, that mayday message. Right? Come and see. Come and see what he's got for you. Call to me, God says, and I will answer you. And I will show you these amazing things that have been there all the time for you. Again, to strengthen your faith, to strengthen your trust in him. That Hebrew word for salvation is spelled out for us. Could you put back up there that amazing slide you made, Jared? Yod, Shin, Vav, Ayan, and Hey. Looks like that. Remember, right to left. It's tough to read Hebrew, man. But I haven't pronounced it for you yet. And maybe we should. <clears throat> The Hebrew word for salvation is pronounced Yeshua. Does that sound familiar at all? It's the same Hebrew root word where we get the name Joshua. Joshua is the Old Testament. The, New, the Greek New Testament equivalent of Joshua is Jesus. When Gabriel visits Joseph, and says, Mary is going to have a baby boy, and his name shall be called Jesus. Yeshua is what Gabriel said. He said, his name shall be called Yeshua because he will save his people from their sins. The very name of Jesus means salvation. The Messiah, the Christ, came to offer you something. He'll do this with his own hand, by his own effort. He'll be consumed, destroyed. The use of nails or or a peg. Come see for yourself. Behold, the Son of God, the Son of Man, has offered you salvation this very day. 
And it brings a whole different understanding to what Jesus said when he enters Zacchaeus' house. And I apologize if you thought you were going to hear a sermon on Zacchaeus. A whole different thing when Jesus enters Zacchaeus' house and he says these words in verse 9. Jesus responded, salvation, Yeshua, he said, has come to this home today. He, was that a pun? Is that a play on words? Maybe. Yeshua, Jesus, was there. Salvation was there because what? They're one in the same. It gives us new meaning, new understanding when we turn that gem over. It gives us new meaning and new understanding to verses like Isaiah 12, 2 that says, Surely God is my salvation. Or Exodus 15, 2 that says, The Lord has become my salvation. God is my salvation. Shakespeare famously asked, What is in a name? You heard that? What is in a name? And then he said something like, that which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, or something like that. We all have a name. Our name identifies us from other people, maybe defines us, gives us credibility, or maybe a reputation. But the name of the Lord is a different story. The name of the Lord is a different story. And God spells it out for us with these pictographs. And fast forward now into the book of Acts, chapter 4. It says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Look at this name stuff, right? There is salvation. There is Yeshua in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven, by which we must be saved. I made a really big deal out of that slide that Jared made for me that said about my effort. That's not our effort. That's God's effort. We've got to remember some things. We cannot save ourselves. That's what Easter is all about. We can't remove our own, what we would call our sinful nature. And when we come to that, and only when we come to that realization, and when we understand we've got to sound that distress signal, God says, call to me, and we say, mayday, mayday, mayday. God hears us, and his word says he will rescue us to himself. And then, just to be clear, he says there's only one name. There's only one name. Only one name who can bring hope to the hopeless. There's only one name that can heal the brokenhearted. And that name is literally our salvation, our Yeshua. So my question for you this morning is, how different would our lives be? So we're getting up out to our youth group. How different would our lives be if we built our name our lives, our existence on the name of Jesus, on the name of Yeshua, on the name of salvation. That's the Easter message. That's what we should be carrying, not only these 50 days, but for the entire year. That's the message we should walk out the door with. And when we see these people sending out distress signals, mayday, mayday, we have an answer for them. And that name is Jesus. Amen? Amen? Okay, let's please stand with me.